Greetings friends, this is Will Nicholas, your Odd Rev, and this is the Deep Faith Nine podcast. G'day everybody, it's uh, Will Nicholas here and uh, we're back for another episode of the Deep Faith Nine podcast and we're going to be looking at uh, episode 14 of season one, uh, Progress, uh, and the synopsis for that is uh, that Kira must convince an old Bajoran farmer named Mollybook to leave a moon becoming uninhabited due to mining operations and Jake and Nog try to trade off Cardassian yummock sauce, whatever that may be. Um, it's a really um, interesting episode. I've watched it quite a number of times, and today to help uh, talk us through it today, I've got Amanda Nicholas. Hello, Amanda. Hello, Will. This is your second appearance on the podcast, uh, so welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be back. Now, last time we asked you about your favourite character uh, in Deep Space Nine, and you said it was Major Kira, and so it just so happens that this episode is a pretty big Major Kira episode. It's also got um, some more Hardy Boys appearances by um, uh, Nog and Jake, as we saw last week in The Storyteller. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about um, why Major Kira stands out for you as a character in Deep Space Nine? Um. I think one of the things that I've been fascinated by is the way in which um, Major Kira has to go through such a significant uh, transformation from where she begins as uh, a Bajoran who, you know, was on the occupied uh, Terok Noor before uh, the uh, Federation came along and then actually has to try and work out how to be somebody new um, in that setting, but also keeping the parts of herself that were significant to her in terms of her own spirituality and her culture and all of those uh, pieces together. So it's the, the melding of trying to um, balance all of the facets of her life and her world um, in, you know, in concert with one another. Yeah, um, and I mean, really, when I think about this season so far, and we're up to episode 14, means we've only got another five episodes to go before the end of season one. And I think about the different characters in, in this in the series thus far, um, Major Kira really has had, I guess, the most work and development, really, in this first season. Um, we've seen her struggle... Um, with meeting um, with Tana Loss in um, the early episodes where she's working out who am I now that I'm not a freedom fighter? Mm. Um, how does this uniform fit? Um, and then a couple of weeks ago we talked about her relationship with the Kai and her spirituality um, and some really interesting movement there talking with Karen Mitchell Lambert about um, the way in which she has to try and re-understand herself uh, in a time of peace as opposed mm. to a time of war. Yeah. And then again today, we hear she she seems to be on the wrong side. We 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 the episode cries for us to have some empathy for uh, Molly Book, the uh, 
the, uh, the, the the difficult old man who won't leave his house. Yeah, there's some um, some interesting parts that come out of this episode. Um, I think when you asked me if I would watch this episode with you and talk about this episode with you, I um, I said we said yes to that because initially the episodes that I wanted to look at weren't until much later uh, I think and even into the second season and and you were saying to me oh no no you've got to come back before then so we were looking at you know what was coming up soon that I could talk to you about and I hadn't really tweaked that this was a a fairly significant um, storyline in terms of uh, what's going on for Major Kira but also just in terms of unpacking the stuff that's going on in the whole of the episode as well too and this is one those um, episodes that really grates for me and so I I kind of um, uh, I, I kind of put off watching it um, for as long as possible really because it's just one of those episodes that right from the very beginning just rubs me up the wrong way like it pushes all my buttons and um, and I, I find challenging to actually engage sometimes with a storyline because my feelings are already, you know, been, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, my Triggered. Yeah, yeah, triggered, yeah. Yep. I was trying to think of a different word different to use word. other than that, yeah. One but. of the things that's interesting, and we've talked about this with a number of our guests, about the way in which science fiction can really be uh, uh, an arm's length container to deal with the things perhaps we don't want to deal with or that make us feel uncomfortable. And so it's actually quite a... Um, uh, I guess a useful thing for us when we feel that to note those kind of things and actually say okay maybe there's something in here that I need to look at or work through um, and um, I, we were talking before and you were saying some of those things that are, are, are grating with you um, is where the story maybe intersects a little bit with your own um, story working with uh, difficult old white men yeah abso- absolutely um, you know as a a young clergy woman one of the things that I have um, experienced in my time has been the lack of uh, respect um, for my position and for my um, not just my position but my ordination I guess too from um, some older uh, white men apologies if that's offensive to anybody but that's the demographic that it, it has happened and so I think I really uh, I resonate with Major Kira in this episode because you know what annoys me most um, and I was sort of rolling through the comments as they were happening the very first thing that Molly Book says to Kira when she appears you're halfway pretty does that mean I can come in no no, I don't like uniforms either. I'm scared of them. See, we had our fill of uniform bullies. I'm no Cardassian. Mm-hmm. You know you were supposed to be out of here by now. All I know is this farm girl. Now you want proof, just look at my crop. Uh, I'd rather you didn't call me girl. It's a comment about her appearance and how attractive she is. And it's just kind of like, are you serious, you know? I kind of thought that we were past all of this and you'd think that in the 24th century that they were past all of this and yet um, it sort of rears its ugly head time and time again. He actually works 
really hard for the first part of the episode to try and push all of Major Kira's buttons mm. and consistently refers to her as girl and talks about how pretty she is and, you know, sets her menial tasks like um, spending the time um, clearing the um, cleaning the root vegetables so that they can go into the stew and then before she's finished that, it's like, oh, will you go and set the table and, you know, all of yep. these things that reinforce um, particular gender stereotypes and particular um, ideals about what a, a role of a, a person should be, um, you know, what a, what the role of a female should be in particular. And when she's standing there wearing her, her uniform, which actually gives her expertise and she's got some level of training and she's got some level of um, position and authority and none of that is recognised by this... Um, this older person. It's really um, interesting that he does attempt to push all those buttons on purpose and and, and really is, from this position of power, um, actually playing the victim. Um, so it's really, you know, the way that the episode is structured, we're kind of encouraged to see him as, as being the person who's being treated unfairly and yeah. he refers to himself as, as being the victim um, in the situation. But but everything that he's saying is actually attempting to undermine mm. and destabilise mm. her. Mm. Very and different from the way that Ben Sisko actually treats her in terms of referring to her as a, the first officer, um, um, giving her space, making sure yeah. that she has the authority to yeah. try and play the story out the way she wants yeah. to. Um, so it, they're two very different roles yeah. of, um, of leadership there. Yeah, very much so. And I think part of the struggle... Um, for Major Kira in that too is actually having to work out in that moment who she is like which of the hats is she wearing and how does that actually how is that reflected in how she behaves in that moment and what she's doing um, and there's something to be said about the difference in uh, the ages between Kira and Molly Book and the way that um, she responds and he responds as well too. And um, as we were talking about this earlier, we were kind of thinking about it going, oh my gosh, this, this episode is going to hit so many buttons for so many people. And um, the reality is it is going to hit so many buttons for so many people because these issues that they're dealing with in the episode are actually still quite alive and... Um, you know, even more so for us at the moment in our current COVID setting mm. as well too. Um, the, the issues that we're facing around um, all kinds of um, discrimination and reverse discrimination and, you know, so even in just me identifying Molly Book as a, as a, a, a man of a particular age and demographic, you know, that is part of the problem that we have not all men obviously no obviously yeah. not all yeah. men yeah yeah no yeah, obviously hashtag, not yeah, all men <laughs> yeah hashtag not all men <laughs> um <laughs> but you know just the very nature of the conversation and to have to identify using what have become the stereotypes for the way that we understand discrimination and the way that we understand power and authority doesn't help the conversation i think mm. um it from my perspective. Well, I, I often think that if you need to uh, dismantle the way somebody else feels if they're telling you that they're feeling vulnerable or they're feeling discriminated against, 
um, then then there's a, there's a signal there that you ought to be saying, well, hang on a second, why do I feel that I need to defend or mm. or, or mm. assert mm. Um, that um, that position shouldn't be listened to instead of taking the time to listen to it? Yeah, absolutely. And and by taking the time to listen to, it's about listening without actually feeling the need to respond or defend and you know that that's something else altogether different and I could go down a whole tangent at the moment in terms of talking about what it means in this day and age to be thinking about how we respond as people of faith you know when Jesus calls us to actually um, give an account for that we use the same language of defense and Mm. we use the same language of of actually being able to um, uphold all of those uh, things in public and yet what we need to learn is the place where we have to either speak out or the place where we have to sit in the quiet mm. um, and that that's a real challenge. So. Major Kira really finds herself very trapped in this situation where she she either has to escalate the situation um, or or um, capitulate um, and and so you know it looks like in the middle of the episode that she's really um, giving in um, and and um, and deciding to um, give him whatever he wants yeah except she's not <laughs> and that was something again that we talked about you know before this was um, you and I together have had a number of uh, experiences throughout our time in um, in life and ministry together where uh, it has felt kind of like what Major Kira and Molly Book were experiencing in this mm. episode together, yep. you know, against the world. It's actually really interesting to see the way the, the inter, interplay happens there between them. Um, it, it could actually be... In some ways, it could be mistaken for giving in, but it it's not. What I see from Major Kira is there's a, a nuanced sensitivity and pastoral response when she becomes aware of what Molly Book actually needs before he's going to be able to let go. And in fact, at the end of the episode, he isn't able to let go. And so she actually has to force his hand mm. to make that happen. And it's... It's with that um, age-old phrase that people use. It's for your own good, you mm. know, um, and it, and it actually is for his own good here. What we have to consider is, in some ways, the way that um, we hear Spock, you know, ideas reminiscent of Spock again. The needs of the many outweigh the needs of you or the one. So there's the sense in which. Um, she she doesn't give in but she's very strategic about ensuring that um i guess minimal damage is done in the process Mm. of actually needing to make progress which is the name of the episode episode. um and and that's actually something that i think um is really relevant at this point in time um for us as we consider the life of of the church and life beyond the church well, and in many ways we've had to leave our buildings um we've had to move away from our our comfortable moon um the place we've made a home for ourselves the traditions mm. um and the narrative that we use as churches 
Um, and um, and there are many people, older people, who actually are feeling very, very threatened um, by that. Um, mm-hmm. And they lash out. Often it's the um, ministers or pastors who are actually their closest who yeah. actually have to yeah. bear the brunt of that grief. And it's certainly not misplaced grief uh, in that the grief, well, it, the real. grief yeah. is real, mm-hmm. you know, for, for Molly Book and for all of us, you know, regardless of your age at the moment. Um, as we try to navigate a world in pandemic crisis. Um, the grief is real, but it's about how we respond and what we do with that grief and that is, I think, telling of the the way that the spirit moves within us at this point in time and we can actually um, be pastorally and strategic pastorally sensitive and strategic to the needs of the many it's interesting you've mentioned the move of the spirit there that allows us to flip over and look at the other side of this story so the other story yeah i did that deliberately great (laughs) is a story about um the two two teens nog Mm. and jake who find themselves in an opportunity yeah they do and um i there was a there's just something about this particular um, relationship between the two boys that I find fascinating. You know, it's it's always um, it's a very real and authentic relationship, but more often than not, it's filled with playfulness, which I think is actually really important. Um, and it's something that you've taught me a lot about over the last twenty odd years, which has been a fantastic gift um, for me and for us as a family. Um, but in this particular um, episode, at the beginning, um, Nog and Jake overhear a conversation. Thought I told you to cancel that order. Now, what am I supposed to do with 5,000 ravages of Cardassian yamak sauce? They're the only ones who could stomach that swill. Nog pricks up his ears and, and sort of... Um, says to Jake, hey, did you hear that? Did you hear about that? And and Jake isn't really convinced right at the beginning that it's something they put, they should pursue. But Nog actually says to him, Jake, I'm getting that tingling in the lobes. And when a lobe tingles, it means only one thing. Opportunity. What are you talking about? I'm talking about gold-pressed latinum. Maybe four or five bars. I thought you were talking about yamak sauce. Whenever there's a tingling in my lobes, you know, um, that means that there's opportunity. And as we were talking about this earlier, I said to you, oh, you know, that that really reminds me of what it means to be thinking about um, the way that we feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and the way that we actually think about um, listening out for and seeking the Spirit and the opportunities to actually be um, people of faith in the world. And uh, so they make a, they end up making a series of trades because Nog very strategically goes to Cork and says, oh, you know, I've got to um, put this away in the storage locker um, or the storage bay, but I, I can put it uh, up on top of the yamak sauce. And Quark sort of goes, oh, yamak sauce, don't talk to me about yamak sauce, you know, just and eventually Nog gets out of him that, you know, um, he's got perm- permission from Quark to do just about anything he wants with a yamak sauce. Just get rid of it. I don't want to see it anymore. Um, 
And so it's actually quite interesting um, because that's the beginning of their opportunity for them. And that sort of... So they've now got free reign on this Yamak sauce. Yeah, they have. They've got got goods for free they can now play with. They've got goods for free they can play with. And they end up doing a whole range of trades around and around, um, which sort of brings them full circle because eventually they... Uh, they end up with a piece of land um, and the piece of land is on Bajor and it it needs to be acquired by the government because they want to build a a waste facility on it and um, and and uh, No J the No J Consortium Consortium, uh, uh, is the fourth partner in the group that own the piece of land and nobody can be in contact with them and Quark ends up putting two and two together and you know um <laughs> not until Nog goes no to not him. until Nog yeah. goes to him that's right and you know initially Nog is sort of standing there saying uh excuse me uncle excuse me uncle I've got something I want to talk to you about and Quark is too busy being wrapped up in his own world to try and figure out that um, it, what he uh, is actually wanting to find out, Nog can actually offer and tell him. Um, and so in the end, uh, Cork gets the land, which then um, we presume he is able to sell to them so that he can make substantial money off it. Yep. Um, and Nog gets his five bars of latinum that he was uh, um, that he was looking for. So there's a really strong um, ecclesial point here for us when we're looking at, if we're brave enough to actually talk about um, parish ministry and the church, what we've got here is a story about... Uh, older people who are struggling to see the opportunities that are in front of them mm, mm. Um, when when adversity strikes yeah. and, and are just wanting things to remain the same. And younger people who <laughs> are not necessarily being given the freedom to take opportunities or, or, or seeing what happens when they are given yeah, the freedom yeah. to take those opportunities and um, what, what can happen. And, and I think these are two things in the church that actually... Um, really hold back mission and vision sometimes yeah. is, is that is that we've got um, one group of people who are afraid to take opportunities and that often same group of people afraid to give opportunities yeah, yeah. to it, others as well. And it's not necessarily just those age groups in that particular order, you know, but it's that sense of which um, in this particular uh, instance, the younger folk actually have the initiative and see the vision that's there and they can actually, you know, make a whole world built around that, mm. coming out of that. Um, but when they actually try to take that to the other interested parties um, who in this particular episode are the older members there, um, they struggle to actually see it and they just yeah. kind of, they kind of just tell them that they can go and eventually the younger guys find a way to say, well, we can make this happen, you yeah. know, let's just... Here it is. And so they, for want of a better word, they um, they subvert the system and they find ways and means and loopholes inside the system so that they can actually start to show their uh, initiative and show their inspiration and make the vision come to pass. And what happens at the end of the episode is that the vision is actually uh, something that proves to be um, beneficial and profitable for everybody. The opportunity is um, realised. The opportunity is yeah. realised, but had the opportunity not been uh, i mean had the opportunity that 
Nog and Jake um, spotted been something that when it was first knocked on the head they didn't persist with then they would have actually none of that would have come to pass so Um, there's a real there's a third group here too that we've actually uh, that i guess we identify we mm. i identify with and that's the 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 group that major kira represents yeah absolutely um and i guess nog as well so major kira and nog are actually in this middle group that are trying to keep things running and keep things moving don't have time to Mm. actually risk Mm. opportunities on Mm. young people and often feel caught um, losing time to older people who don't want to take the opportunities. Um, And so Major Kira finds himself in the position of forcing the opportunity on the older person. And at one stage, Molebook says, I won't be leaving this moon whilst ever my house is standing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so Major Kira realizes and responds to that by saying, well, the house is not standing yeah. anymore and she but, destroys the house. But she doesn't actually say to him, well, you know, um, she doesn't say to him, well, you know, that's not going to be the case. What she does is she lets him finish what he needed to finish mm. and then she sets about putting things right and and you know sh- what she says to him is you got to finish your job he was building a kiln mm. you, you got to finish your job now i need to do mine you know mm. now and it's essentially now you need to let me do mine and um and then yeah he says well not well ever the house is still standing so yeah she um <sighs> mother book had already set light to the kiln um, and so she actually um, lights a torch and takes it and sets the, the cottage alight. Um, and then what's really interesting is that um, Molly Book actually turns his back on her um, but still stands in the same space right next to her. So in the end of the episode, Kira actually um, um, calls back to... Um, the Ganges, I think it was, and um, says, you know, two to beam up. up. So at the end of the... We're left unresolved, but at the end of the episode, you can kind of extrapolate that um, from the relationship. Their relationship is actually, you know, fractured now, but Molly Book has kind of relented to do this. They've both been able to finish the jobs that they needed to do, Mm. but the relationships between them will be forever changed unless they can sort that out and we don't get to see what happens there which is uh, a bit of a shame um it would be fascinating to have another little bit of a sneak peek to see what happens well it's interesting the other week um when i was on with karen we did some fanfic and we said well maybe it's good to think Mm. about what might happen next Um, perhaps we could write a story at some stage about um kira going to visit with molly book um in his new place on bajor Um, and how that might play out. Um, But, um, I mean, I guess the reality is that many of these stories of opportunity for young people and and opportunities for for older people or for different... Just opportunities in general, you know. um, They they don't always play out in the best way. Um, And people are often forced into difficult situations where where there aren't aren't, Mm -hmm. um, any any winners Mm. or losers. I Mm. mean, the Nog and Jake could have just as easily been stuck with um, their yamak um, sauce, their, their yeah, sauce or their been. self-stealing stem bolts. Yep. In some ways, um, I've always 
felt in the biblical story, the parable of the talents. You know, you've got the story of the, the people who take risks and opportunities and try new things mm-hmm. um, and are successful mm-hmm. and they're praised for that success. But the people who, who fail to take opportunities are actually criticised for their for their unwillingness to do so. Um, I've always wanted to add, you know, another person into that story to say, well, what happens to the person who takes a risk and an opportunity but but actually fails to yeah. deliver anything? Yeah, and it doesn't. Um, yeah. And and I and I guess in my anyways, um, Kira took a risk and opportunity by sticking by a Molly book, and and mm-hmm. and all it did was actually mm-hmm. cost um, cost her and mm-hmm. him. Um, so yeah. there's a, yeah. I, I know we, uh, you know, I know we need to be winding up soon. But one of the things we haven't really talked about that we um, addressed at the beginning was the way in which um, Ben Cisco actually responds differently mm. um, to Major Kira without any kind of question and without any kind of um, need for explanation. Um, ben, here's what Kira is trying to do with Molly Book. And he accepts her discernment on, you know, the strategic plan for that. And in fact, there's this great um, scene in there where, um, after a, an injury, you know, to Molly Book has taken place down on the surface, Julian Bashir comes down to actually um, tend to him medically, and Julian goes back to talk to Ben Cisco. And well, doctor, right now she stands a pretty good chance of being out of uniform permanently. I'm going to tell Minister Tehran that she's remained temporarily on Gerardo at your request. But, sir, that isn't true. Make it true, Doctor. Now, please. And it takes Julian a moment before he actually realises what's happening, but he quickly cottons on to the fact that Ben Sisko is giving him a very uh, subtle command to say to him, you need to make space for using uh, for Kira to actually continue to do what she's doing, but you need to do it using the system and using the parameters that we have. And in this case, um, uh, um, Julian actually puts in a formal request to say that Kira needs to be on the surface for a few more days um, so that she can actually square this away. Um, and so, you know, I guess what we need to do is find the ways that we can um, seek to move the opportunities that the visionaries among the church, regardless of age, see and plant those into the places and into the the minds and the the hearts of the people who might be strategically placed like Julian Bashir to be able to um, use the system to see those things come to fruition because yeah. yeah and buy some time because you know the reality is that at the end of the day this was the best possible outcome yeah, well, they get to build their mining operation, um, and Molly Book is still alive, um, and uh, Major Kira has completed her task. So, even though it, it feels really unresolved, um, uh, the uh, all of the outcomes that were stated as necessary at the beginning of the episode mm. actually are completed. Mm. In the same way that you know we watch this. This clumsy and awkward transactions from Jake and Nog yeah. coming through as they pursue their opportunity in a way that that 
that that in the middle mm-hmm. kind of feels frustrated and and isn't going to result with anything and mm-hmm. and Jake and Nog have this argument about owning dirt you know mm-hmm. and, and and what has this got us and mm-hmm. you know it was sauce and it was bolts and now it's dirt yeah you know? and what was really interesting was that um, Nog sort of really had his heart set on you know for him what he wanted was to have five pieces of gold press latinum yep. you know and um and he ends up with that mm-hmm. but i suspect that out of that particular arrangement quark profited considerably more uh, than that we're making <laughs> so, lenders worth more so. we, we actually don't have a clear understanding of what the value of latinum is mm. um or uh, or or what um mm. it is um just as a point of trivia in this um quark does actually go to uh speak to a lesepian trader in this oh, one uh, as he's walking through um and uh morn our favorite character gets a mention as well that's right um because at the beginning um uh dax is talking about mm, how she mm. finds his uh seven or eight little hairs mm, to be cute mm, mm. Um, much later on in the episode who mourns for Morn mm. um, we discover that Morn is wealthy um, because he uh, won the Lesepian lottery mm. so it's an interesting little bit of trivia there and forecasting into the future for Morn yeah. um, I, I always like to pick up the Morn references when yeah no he's uh, he's one of the silent but steady characters all the way through well, that's um, pretty much our time for today. Um, we've um, we've been able to talk um, quite a bit about um, some of the tricky political situations that exist mm. in, amongst um, multi generational ministry in the church, um, as well as um, what it means for us to actually. Uh, make space for the spirit to move mm, in terms of mm, opportunities mm. Um, and um, and to be ready to listen or be receptive to that mm. movement regardless of um, what our age stage or or um, um, ethnicity might mm, be. Mm. So um, that's been really good. Thanks for joining me today, Amanda. You are very welcome. I feel like I need to shake your right, hand. Let's shake hands. Yeah. Here we go. Everybody <laughs> can not see us shaking hands now. Do I um, get to have my photo today? Um, yes. Yeah, I can do that. Um, although, I, I, yes, yes, that, that will be fine. Um, no, thank you. It's been great. I've enjoyed coming back to talk with you again. I've been Will Nicholas, your odd rev. And you have been listening to the Deep Faith Nine podcast for Never Odd or Or Even. Even.